0: Today we ask, what sort of world does Palm Sunday call us to embrace? Let's keep that question in our mind's eye as we listen to one of the classic texts for today, as found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, beginning with the first verse. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately, as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they'd cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God, for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's been another violent week in America. News from across the country has left many of us feeling Weary. Weary and numb. The the visuals coming out of Boulder strike us as as too tragically familiar. Pictures of hunched over people running from a building. A snapshot of officers standing around a podium. The stock photo of an AR-15 assault rifle. Thumbnails of victims' faces lifted from Facebook pages. Videos of flowers piled against a chain-link fence. At times, these shootings feel inevitable, unstoppable. Only a few days earlier, the clergy of this church sent out a letter and a prayer addressing the shooting in Atlanta. We talked together. Should we send out another one? My colleague, Reverend Kate Dunn, wisely observed that one of the good things about the pandemic has been less mass shootings. I nodded. These terrible events are not something we want to resume. They're not one of those parts of our common life, not an aspect of the the typical ebb and flow of America that we want to revert to normal. It should also be said, as we bear witness to these gut-wrenching events, that there's a place at the heart of our faith where God stands in remarkable solidarity with those injured and killed in Atlanta and Boulder. We're poised today on the front edge of Holy Week. We're about to journey down Christianity's most revered path and we know what to expect we know our faith is about to put violence center stage. As we stride toward Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, we cannot help but wonder if the one who first walked this path, who who walked this path for us, has something to say, something to offer to a world that remains in thrall to such violence. The Palm Sunday story, as Mark tells it, starts in a quirky fashion. As Jesus prepares to enter Jerusalem, he dispatches two disciples to secure a ride. He he gives them instructions. Jesus says, go into the next village, and there you will find, tied to a hitching post, a colt that has never been ridden. Bring me that colt. If anyone asks, why are you untying the creature, just tell them, the Lord needs it. So the disciples go, sure enough, they find the colt and sure enough, someone says, hey, why are, you, why are you untying that creature? The disciples respond, the Lord needs it. These simple words allay the bystander's fears. Oh, I see, this isn't horse thievery, this is God's work. Well, be off with you then. And with that, Christ's followers go on their way. Palm Sunday starts out in a calm and and courteous fashion, but it doesn't stay that way. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, people begin to whisper. They point. They see something that stirs their spirits. They get excited. They they start throwing their clothes in the street. Before long, they start shouting, singing, dancing. Don't let that little colt scuff his hooves. Clear the way, Messiah on board. Everywhere, people throw open windows and, and hoist homemade signs. Romans, go home. Street sweepers for Jesus. Along the parade route, people chant, they repeat, of all things, Bible verses, verses from the Psalms. They they cry out, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming of the king, the ancestor of David. It's a rally. It's a march. The people of Jerusalem swirl around the rider at the center of their parade. Let's put this guy on the throne. Let's make him king. Now, of course, a designation like this comes with some risk, especially when there already is a king The current wearer of the crown, Herod Antipas, and the true power in Jerusalem, Roman governor Pontius Pilate, strolling around in his mirror-polished armor, must have noticed this spontaneous parade, must have heard the reports. You could almost picture their cynical smiles. (laughs) Isn't that cute? The Passover crowds have named someone king Well, let's prepare a fitting welcome for this new ruler, a special crown for this new king, oblivious to their Cold-blooded scheming, the crowds press on, caught up in the enthusiasm of the moment, tired of business as usual, willing to take small risks to thumb their noses at the Roman troops. The people shout and cavort. They act like things are about to change, as my friends in the South would say, bless their hearts. The crowd has no idea what's about to come. And what's more, they don't know Jesus, not really. Jesus was never going to turn out to be their kind of king. These folk don't want a peacenik riding an untamed colt. Go ahead, ask them. Ask them later that same night after the buzz of the parade has, has worn off. They don't want Jesus, not really. They want a warrior. They want a rebel commander who will overthrow the Romans. They want someone who can go toe to toe with the big spears and the war horses and the polished armor. Before the week is over, the crowds will give voice to this sentiment. And when given a choice between a brutal bandit and gentle Jesus, they will chant, Give us Barabbas. That's why. On Palm Sunday I typically counsel don't trust the crowds. It's fairly conventional advice after all. Crowds are fickle. Crowds change their minds and crowds in the good book and we know this in life often end up being mistaken about all manner of things and especially about Jesus. On Palm Sunday, the Gospel of Mark tells us that the streets of Jerusalem were full of people running around, yelling slogans, all while tossing palm branches and articles of their own clothing on the ground. It's pure chaos. And into this chaotic scene, Jesus rides on an animal that's that's never been ridden before. This, This young colt doesn't buck, it doesn't Kick, it doesn't scrape its rider off on a wall and race for the hills. Something unusual is happening here, something that a country mouse might notice a little more quickly than a city mouse. The Jesus we meet on Palm Sunday is a horse whisperer. One of my colleagues at the Presbyterian Seminary in Austin, Texas, was the New Testament scholar John Alsop. John taught students by day, especially focusing on the Gospel of Mark, and in the evening he went home to manage a small horse ranch. One Saturday, John invited me out to his ranch to meet a relatively new colt, Maverick. Only a few months old, Maverick was full of vinegar, as we approached the paddock, he rolled his eyes. He raced around the enclosure, kicking and snorting. Maverick was, it was a wild creature. I watched John take a handful of oats, an apple, and a coil of rope and, and climb into the paddock. The colt raced toward John. Then abruptly, it skidded to a stop, whirled around and scampered away. As this 400-pound tumbleweed cavorted, my friend John stood very still. He spoke softly and eventually, cautiously, Maverick walked toward him and nuzzled John's arm. John fed the young horse. He, He ate a handful of oats and an apple and as he ate, John lay the coil of rope across the back of the colt's neck. He wasn't restraining Maverick, n- not at all, but he, the rope was there and the horse could feel it. He, he was learning not to fear it. He was learning to trust John. I leaned against the fence in awe. It was one of the most gentle things I've ever witnessed. There's gentleness like this at the heart of Palm Sunday. Jesus enters the holy city astride an unbroken colt, an animal that has never been ridden. It's never known the weight of a human on its back, never had heels dug into its sides, never felt the sting of a whip. Mark describes Jesus riding through Jerusalem On this unusual unbroken steed weaving through the streets of the violent city this city scripture tells us that kills its prophets Jesus looks around he looks at everything says Mark he looks with loving eyes on all of Jerusalem's people he looks with compassion on folk swimming in fear shattered by cycles of violence at a loss to fix the broken places in their lives, places where they cannot seem to piece things back together, fractured relationships, shattered dreams. Watching Jesus ride through the streets on his unusual steed, watching this gentle, humble man peer at the world with eyes brimming with love, the people of Jerusalem lose their cookies, their restraint, their sense of dignity and propriety, they they start to yell. They gasp. Blessed is the name of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There are many times in the Gospels and in life when the crowds are wrong. But you know what? I've decided Palm Sunday is not one of them. For a brief moment that day, I think the crowds were right. When Jesus rides into town, they look at him astride this colt, gentle and humble of heart, gazing on Jerusalem with compassion, and they say, yes, yes, finally, yes, maybe he's the one. What one? The king, the messiah, the one who will save us. And at that moment, at that brief but crystalline Palm Sunday moment, the people's hearts kick every other possibility to the side and they shout, this is the king we want. This is the ruler our hearts have been seeking. This is the vision we want to build society around. Enough with the politics of hatred, the fear-mongering, the sowing of mistrust between race and class. Enough with the violence. Enough with the god-awful, hate-fueled, life-robbing, family-destroying, hope-smashing violence. We want something different. We want this. We want gentleness, humility, and love to reign over us. They wave their palms. They shout their deepest hopes. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. For once, the crowd gets it. Now does the crowd stay convicted? Did they hang on to that vision? No. Between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the crowd gets nervous, and we do too. We don't become cynics, I'm not saying that, not completely. We, we become realists, let's call it that. We're realists. We start thinking about how messed up things really are, and sure, this Jesus fellow seems nice and all that, but when, when you get down to it, he's probably too humble, too gentle, And too doggone fixated on love for this mean old world. It doesn't take long and it doesn't take much. The Palm Sunday crowd will abandon both their ideals and their ideal ruler. They will give up on their hopes for a different world and they will turn their backs on the one that their souls once yearned to put on the throne. They will forget this crystalline moment, and they will cry out for a bandit. Maybe that was inevitable. But before we lapse into defeatism today, before we shake our heads at the futility of the cycle of violence that now includes Atlanta and Boulder, Palm Sunday begs us to linger for a bit. You say you're looking for God? You say you want to find the sacred? Well, says Palm Sunday, you're in luck. God is waiting for you here, right here, deep in your gut, in that place inside of you that yearns to sing all glory, Lord and honor to thee, Redeemer King. Humans actually have the capacity, says Palm Sunday, to get it right. We have the capacity to catch heaven's vision, to push past entrenched anger and fear, and to embrace a different way. It's there in our heart of hearts. It's there in that place inside of you, willing to be a a fool for love. It's there whenever a shout of joy cannot be restrained. It's, It's there when tears of possibility run down your face. Listen to that part of yourself, says Palm Sunday. Listen to the part of yourself that longs to follow a gentle man and his untamed horse. That's your invitation to stand in the Holy of Holies. That's your run-alongside-God moment. That's your chance to shout to the world that the real king doesn't wear polished armor. The real king doesn't look like that at all. Bless you as you follow an unbroken steed and its gentle rider into this holy week. Have courage, hold fast to what is good, do not return evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, amen.